Hey, y'all, you're listening to The Axe, a Texas conservative podcast. I will swing my axe. Don't let the flames go down. Carve out some of that kindling. There's plenty of wood around. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Axe, a Texas conservative podcast. Uh, I got the old man here with me today. He's uh, really anxious, really, really excited to get to talk about House Bill 3 and all of the sneaky political, we like to call, for lack of a better word, bullshit um, that is going to be possibly passed in our great state of Texas here. So I'm going to let him take over and give you the the rundown on a proposal that Texas would basically give special committee oversight to the governor um, in times of pandemic or disaster. Um, and we're going to kind of get into what some of that means um, and means for you. Okay. I want to object to the use of the term old man. Uh, just register my objection. Uh, okay, folks, here's the, here's the bottom line. Uh, currently being considered in the state legislature. In fact, it's in a House committee today uh, being considered uh, 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 to uh, be forwarded on for vote by the House, which is the process. House Bill 3 uh, sounds pretty innocuous, but um, and the important thing about the number of the bill is it is the third most important bill that the House will consider this year. But that's the reason it's given that number. That's not the third bill that was filed. It's the third most important bill. And uh, that should tell you something. Uh, It is a bill that will alter subtitle B, title four of the government code, which is the disaster and emergency powers of the governor section of the government code. Now, uh, I'm going to go over the low points of this bill. But before we do that, I want to say that if every think back now, if you can, during this, uh, during the first, the start of the pandemic, when everybody was complaining about how the governor seemed to be overreaching his powers, uh, he seemed to be doing things that he wasn't supposed to do. He was doing things that most people considered making law rather than uh, simply enacting uh, uh, rules and such that are under his purview. And Texas has a has a weak governor form of government for a reason. Uh, now, a lot of the legislators stood up and, and howled because the governor didn't consult them and how they were going to, when the session got back in, they were going to do something. They were going to do something to curtail the power of the governor. And their answer to that is this bill. So let's talk about what it does. Uh, first off, um, one of the, and I'm not going to go through every word, obviously, but I'm going to try to hit the low points here. Uh, this bill is one of the things that it's designed to do is to protect and preserve individual liberties guaranteed under the United States Constitution and the Texas Constitution. Oh, wow. I'll let you, th- I'll let you make your own decision as to whether this does that or not. Yeah. Um, and it goes down in the next section. Remember now I said to that the legislature wanted to curtail or rein in the power of the governor. This number six says it's to clarify and strengthen the roles of the governor 
state agency and the judicial branch of state government and local governments in the prevention of preparation for or response to recovery from a pandemic disaster. Now, what it says strengthened, I guess that doesn't, that, that means something different to the legislature than it does to me because we were talking about how the governor was overstepping and needed to be reined in. I don't think, I don't think strengthening is going to do that. Well, it's going to be only in times of pandemic, you know, when the people aren't capable of making clear, decisive decisions here. That's correct. Now, going on, it says another one of the, the reasons, and this is in the first part of the bill, it tells you why they're doing it, assist in the mitigation of pandemic disasters aggravated by inadequate planning for regulation of public and private resources. We're going to get into mm. that in a minute because there's something in here that should scare everyone. Um, now, in, in, in legislation in Texas or in the federal government, the devil is in not the details, but the definitions. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's get into this because they define pandemic disaster, which is what the governor is allowed to use as his definition for invoking his powers under this act. Interesting. He, they define pandemic disaster as means the, it means the, the occurrence or imminent threat of an outbreak of an infectious disease that spreads to a significant portion of the population of multiple countries or the world and that threatens widespread or severe damage, injury, or loss of life or property in this state resulting from any natural or man-made cause related to the outbreak. Now, if that doesn't make any sense to everybody, um, it was designed that way. But what it what it does is it gives an extremely broad latitude, right? Didn't it government. say just in case of? It said uh, um, in, uh, imminent threat. Imminent threat. Yeah. Right. So imminent it, threat. Yeah. But the important thing is, is that under this definition, the flu. Oh yeah. The common cold, or any number of other innocuous things, could be converted into a pandemic disaster and would allow the in allow the governor to invoke the powers under this new part of 418 and the old parts of 418 which we'll get into as well so just think about that the cold the common cold could be deemed a pandemic now i know, I know that sounds crazy and it sounds silly and oh they say oh well, these people wouldn't do that folks uh there is no end no to what the swamp will do. And let's be real. We've been seeing it, even on a national level, happen slowly over the last few years. More and more sneaky stuff gets by. Absolutely. More and more sneaky stuff. More and more rights are uh, taken away. So, The limitations that are listed in this bill, one of them says it does not, does not, Grant the governor the authority to enact law. And the reason that's important there is because uh, enacting a law pro in invokes the legislative process, which means the legislature passes a law and the governor signs it. That's the way you enact a law. But it does allow the governor to make some law. And, uh, and I'll, because this, this, has a, this act has a criminal penalty. 
which we'll get into later. So another, you know, silly thing. Um, the, it, it also limits the um, authority of the governor to, does not, it, it does not limit the authority for the governor to apply for aid and, and that type of thing. Uh, but it's, it's foolish because we really don't need that provision. We already have that provision in 418. It already exists. And the funny thing is a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. already exists in current law that's provided to the governor. So why they decided they would do it this way, I really don't understand. And the only thing that I can that I can reasonably say about it is that they decided that because this was such an important thing, they had to do a separate section in the government code for it. They had to make it into to seem like it was a separate law when in fact 90% of what's in this is already in and duplicated in in section 418 of the governor of the government code which covers the governor's authority under disasters. The only thing they could they, they needed to do was insert some language that says pandemic because all the the disaster stuff that's in the government code right now is only for what we would normally consider a disaster, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, floods, and the things like that. So they had to make a separate thing for the pandemic. And they managed to ex- expand the governor's authority over, over the citizens. And there's some frightening things in here that we're going to get to. Um, moving on down to, through the bottom, to the bill, um, here's an interesting point. Uh, it will not allow the, go- uh, the, the governor to interfere with the dissemination of news or comments on public, uh, of public affairs provided, okay, provided that means okay except yeah but uh, if the any communications facility or organization including radio television stations wire services internet and cellular services and newspapers that may may be required to transmit or print public service messages providing information or instructions in connection with pandemic disasters now that doesn't sound scary to me until you think about what possibly that could be used That's for not, everything you've read out has Sounded kind of scary. So, essentially, what it's saying is, is they can take over a, of the internet. They can take over news stations to put public service messages. Sounding out. very uh, so familiar, as if almost it sounds like some other like maybe, countries and governments out there. Who, who uh, are those people? Communists. Um, yeah, that's that's the word. I think it, yeah. I knew it was a c word. I was just being careful. I didn't want to say the wrong one. Now, I want to say right now, folks, at this point, that I am not a a conspiracy nut. I, I, I don't look for the government to do things that, you know, that they might do. I I'm want the opposite. I, I swear. I believe that they all, I believe everything is planned. This was a pandemic. I believe everything, but look at how easy it is to put the, put the puzzle pieces together right here. They give it all to you. Think about it. If you read into this, it's all this is, this is honestly to me, what this says is they're, they've, they're, it, it's, and, and this was the same for the national bill, the, the COVID relief bill. Uh, the same thing happened. They're writing in things that are not about public health or necessarily safety. They're definitely not about the actual virus. And then they're writing it in the past tense. So they're, they're writing it about, okay, so we have this pandemic. We need to write legislation for the next one. Yeah. The next one. Okay, like, you know, we've had the flu. We've had colds. We've had all this. And we've now we've, I would say, we're getting, if not gotten through, a COVID-19 pandemic. So... They're writing this as if 
to me as if there's more that can come of as far as pandemics well, and and stuff like that. They're they're just slowly encroaching. I mean, that's really what I see in all this legislation lately. And and for the for this bill to be pretty synonymous with the national bill of of COVID relief, which I'm sure we'll do an episode on, it's the mo- it's which was labeled the most progressive bill. We all know what that word means. Yeah. Progressive. Well, they're just giving away money in that one, folks. Oh yeah, but just I giving mean, away money. But that's what I mean. So, but, so now we have we have healthcare workers and stuff who need different things. Obstacles need to be uh, uh, conquered here on this COVID stuff. And I haven't seen any legislation as of late that has really done anything for anybody as far as the the virus, which makes me believe that there's people know more information than they have given out but that's my uh that's my conspiracy brain so yeah well uh, you know you can you know i think we should be generally suspicious of the government and generally all the time all i'm yeah but, generally being all the time yes but uh, uh in another section here is conflict another law and what it does is it this particular section of this bill says that to the extent any of there's any conflicts this chapter will control so nice. if if um, if there's another law out there that that conflicts with the governor's desires under this particular statute, then this statute would control. Now, you could you can argue that point in the in the courts, but I think we've seen how that works around here. We'll get to that as well. Um, the next section is a section that that many of the businesses uh, are applauding, and that is the civil liability during a pandemic, and essentially exempts businesses from civil liability. But there's also a provided in there, and the provided in that is that they are they're they're that they follow all of these rules that the governor sets out these laws that he's not enacting but making. So essentially, if you don't follow all of the orders of these of uh, Lena Hidalgo, as an example. Uh, Dora the Explorer judge, if you don't follow her orders, then you don't you give away your civil uh, your protection under this clause. So again, it's it looks good on paper, and people think, oh wow, that's good for us. But it, it it's still there is a there's a caveat to it, which is oh well, we give you this, but you have to do this, this, and this. Um, now, most of the rest of the bill goes on to actually um, particularly duplicate what is already in 418, uh, the, uh, the existing statute. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous because, it's, because if you look at the two statutes next to each other, you see it is exactly the same language that's already in the statute. So this is totally unnecessary. But it is again; it is a puppet show, uh, as as uh, Paul Carl Rove always says. It's Kabuki theater. It's a puppet show. It's so you see this and don't see this kind of a thing. Um, now uh, there is another piece of this legislation that is probably it's new and it, and is is helpful, and it has to do with suspending ad valorem tax increases during a pandemic. That would that would prevent a local authority like City of Houston or, or Harris County or any uh, county or city across the state of Texas from trying to increase their ad valorem taxes during a pandemic. 
Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have any real comment on that. I think it's, you know, it's probably helpful in some respects, but, um, uh, how that'll actually be used or, or whether it'll be used is another thing. Um, now I'm going to get down to one of the things that, that is about this bill that probably scares me the most and should scare you as well. And that is, uh, 418A dash, I mean, dot zero five six, uh, of this, uh, of this section use of public and private resources. Now that's, that, that sounds pretty, um, innocuous, but it is not, um, the governor may use all available resources of executive departments and agencies or their units that are reasonably necessary to cope with the pandemic. Now that sounds right. You can the governor gets to use whatever he wants within the state of Texas in in our government in our resources that the state has. Okay, that's that, yeah, I got that. That's of course it's again it's something the governor can already do, but okay. Um now here's where it gets a little tricky. Mm. Um, the governor may temporarily reassign resources. Okay. All right. I got that. That sounds fine. Now here's the kicker. Here's this door slammer. The governor may commandeer. Now to anybody that's not familiar with the military term commandeer, it means seize, take without your permission. The governor may commandeer or use private property if, the governor finds it necessary to cope with a pandemic disaster subject to the compensation requirements of subchapter G of chapter 418, which means there's a certain schedule by which you can be compensated. Mm -hmm. The compensation part is not an issue for me. It's the commandeer language. That's what I was going to say. And it also is this, the things they leave up to the government's discretion in this. Yeah. Well, that's that's I mean that's past discretion, that's that's it. Scary um, movement of people. This is somewhat similar to the to the same section in four eighteen, but it determines the governor may prescribe routes, modes of transportation, destination, connection with evacuations. Again, why would you need to evacuate anyone in a pandemic? I don't know. Yeah, where are we gonna go? We're going to go all, all somewhere together? Yeah. <laughs> Let's all, all group up and get out of here. Yeah, wear your mask and get in a van yeah. and go somewhere. We'll be fine. Uh, the, the other thing that, that I think is somewhat new in this, and that is a governor may control ingress and egress from a pandemic disaster area. So if one area is, and uh, this happened, by the way, in China, <gasps> Wuhan, when you know what, the, the communist Chinese government surrounded and and stopped people from entering or leaving Wuhan. They stopped them. Yeah. Okay. That's what that's what communist countries do. And they were touting themselves as being so great on this pandemic because they did this. This is what this law will allow the governor to do. If if there is a city or an area that has more of this pandemic than other, you, it can be sealed off well, I, by the military. I always love when you know, the United States takes one out of the, the Chinese communist book. Oh, yeah. I uh, that's, think, to me, is if great. You're gonna, if you're going to go somewhere to learn how to govern, I think yeah. go to the communist. I would the, start the, there. The, yeah. uh, it's a shame that Castro, you know, is not around anymore either. They could probably hit him up for some, some legislation advice. Now, this next section, 
is somewhat troubling in as much as it it, it provides a little bit of a <clears throat> open air open ended language. It has it's a restricted sale and transportation of materials. Now, if you guys like your beer, this might scare you a little bit. The governor may suspend or limit the sale, dispensing, or transportation of alcoholic beverages. Oh no! Uh, which, by the way, was open. In, during the pandemic, the uh, as uh, uh, Mayor Turner said, I'm not closing off your liquor stores. No, well, that's um, crucial. You got to sterilize when yeah. there's a virus going around. You got to sterilize. And I mean, what is everybody going to do in quarantine except for drink? So, well, if, okay, so now they're going to take they're going to they're going to restrict your alcoholic beverage, but they're also going to restrict your explosives. So, if you're wanting to go out and well, and, that's uh, for our safety. If you want to go out and do a gender reveal with your Tannerite, you might have a problem. Now, you can la- do that. We should do that. The last, well, let's let's hope we're not having to reveal anybody's gender. Well, we could do days. it with like you know, new calves. Okay. The na- the the last sentence is what what should concern you. So we got alcoholic beverages, explosives, and combustibles. Now, what is a combustible? Does anybody know what a combustible would be? I think that's something that lights on fire. Yes. What's something that we need every day that lights on fire? Um, fire. Gas for Gas. your car. So essentially, this this would allow you to regulate the governor to regulate the delivery and transportation and sale of gasoline. Now imagine what that could kind of do to this to our society if if for some reason a governor decided they were gonna they were gonna. Uh, I don't like to imagine things like that. So uh, many of the. Uh, there is a uh, preemption clause in this. I'm not going to get into that too much. It just said essentially, uh, you know, the this preempts other laws, and we've talked about that. So, um, here's here's another extremely troubling part of this this law, and it, and it has, there's more. <laughs> I guess so. Limitation on alteration of voting procedures. Now, everybody was concerned about how this last election turned out. And everybody thought about the steel. And we talked about this on a previous podcast where, you know, a lot of the steel was was developed in in through this um, uh, mail-in balloting. Mail-in balloting was probably the reason that, I mean, in my view anyway, the reason that Trump lost mail-in balloting. Now, uh, and, and this will probably be the subject of another podcast, Currently, HR one, mm-hmm. the first bill to be considered by the House and is actually uh, up up for a vote coming up very quickly, is a is uh, a piece of legislation in the United States Congress that will completely overhaul voting in this country. And were it to pass both houses of Congress, it would likely assure that Democrats would be able to win any election that they enter from now on. Yep, because of the way it's set up, and. Uh, uh, I have no idea how Republicans in the Senate will will block this except by filibuster. And I don't know how long it will last uh, and how long the Democrat. uh, That's a subject for another podcast. This is our own local version of of H.R. 1. Limitations on alterations of voting procedures. Mm. So this act would now allow for alteration of voting procedures. And it says an election official of a political subdivision seeking to alter in response to a pandemic disaster any voting standard practice or procedure in a manner not otherwise expressly authorized by the election code 
must obtain approval of the proposed alteration from the Secretary of State by submitting a written request. Okay? Ooh. The Secretary of State, by written order, may approve a proposed alteration requested under subsection A. An election official of a public public the political subdivision may not alter any voting standard practice or procedure in a manner not otherwise expressly authorized by the election code without a written order of approval from the secretary of state. Well, first I'm glad that it's easy to understand. Yes. And well, second, it's easy to understand. Anybody can change anything as long as the secretary of state approves it. If they want to say you have to stand on your head to vote, the Secretary of State can approve that. Well, luckily I can do that. But who is, who, okay, who's the Secretary of State? The Secretary of State in Texas is not an, is not, not an elected official. What? So the people don't choose the Secretary of State. That is correct. The governor oh, chooses the, governor, the Secretary of State. The trusty governor who's. Has been, all these powers. Has all these powers now. Yes. <laughs> through these legislation. So think about that. Let's say, for instance, we have a Republican governor who is power mad. And wants to make sure that he maintains his power. And so let's say he's losing his election or he doesn't look like he's really in good shape in his election. And there and there happens to be some flu going around. <coughs> he could he could essentially invoke this statute and allow the the counties across the state to allow for certain types of voting that would favor him and then have his secretary of state approval, approve it. And it would be law as if it were law. Wow. Okay. So just think about what could be abused. Now think about this. We have a Republican governor. Now what would happen if we had a Democrat governor? Oh, it would, it would, it would look a lot like, um, every four years it'd be a pandemic. It, yeah. It would look a lot like the presidency and stuff right now. I yeah, think. Absolutely. Sign, 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 sign. That guy's hand. I'm, I don't know how he... He must have a massager on staff. Just like the Diet Coke guy. He, he probably has a hand massager and a, and, a, and a pen ink replacer That's right. on staff at any moment. Okay, last, last two, two items, uh, and then we can... Uh, and I want to visit a bit about... Um, We're going to get what, into the swamp. What, yeah, the swamp. I'm going to get my waders on yeah. real quick. Everybody get your waders Let ready. Let me grab my waders real quick. Um, Criminal penalties. There will be criminal penalties in this act, in this statute. It will not be confinement, but it will be punishable by amount not to exceed $1,000. Now, that's per offense. Hmm. So if you were to be found to have committed 375 offenses, you could be fined $375,000. But it's not It's $1,000 every minute? Nope. Hour, yeah. day, week. Well, it, it, every offense. So they they would have to determine. Um, or they would determine what if you were violating this. For oh. instance, staying open. If you said, okay, uh, you know, you're supposed to close like your hair salon. Mm. You're supposed to close your hair salon, and you decide not to close your hair salon, and you leave it open for ten days. That could be a ten thousand dollar fine. So, um, now. The other thing that, that's important is the school business. This statute would provide that schools that chose to do online learning, so chose to, to keep their students out of school, uh, not ordered by the governor, but just during a pandemic, they chose to keep their students out of school during this pandemic, would be able to get their Average daily attendance payments, which if you don't know how that works, I'll give you a quick overview. 
every in every school district, uh, the state of Texas pays the school district a certain fee for every day a student attends. So if a student attends 10 days times 10,000 students, that's what they get paid. Now, because there was no provision in, in, in any statute allowing for the, those to be paid under this pandemic, under these things, uh, under these uh, orders that we have now, the um, school districts were, were like, we can't do this. We can't, I mean, how do we get our money? And the state's trying to figure out how to do that. So this, what this bill does is it incentivizes incentivize school districts to keep school kids out of school online. Now, anybody that's had trouble with online school will understand how detrimental that can be. And, the, and one of the ways that we could keep that from happening is to say, schools, you don't get your money. You don't bring your kids back into school and start teaching like you're supposed to. We're not going to pay you your money. This takes that completely off the table. So there is no leverage. Right. There's no leverage to letting, to in, in ensuring that these kids are back it's, in school. That's another reward for inactivity. That's exactly it's, right. It's more of that. Now, get your waiters on, folks. Let me tell you about this. This is the reason that we have this bill. This is why this is happening and why it is so important. Well, we're in the swamp now. Get in the swamp. We're in the swamp now. Oh, I hear the, I hear him. I, just, I hear, that's I thought, right. I thought I just heard an alligator. Did you hear? Oh, I thought you were going to say a Democrat. No, no. They're, they're, they're in there, though. They're in there. They're in here. Um, the, the author of this beer, Bill, beer, hey. as if that, you get violated. I can there. author me some beer. Uh, is a, a fellow by the name of Dustin Burroughs. Dustin Burroughs is a fairly powerful individual in, in the House of Representatives, and some people may remember his name as associated with um, our former Speaker Dennis Bonin, uh, who, um, who spoke to... Uh, a fellow by the name of Michael Quinn Sullivan, and it told him that he would give him uh, certain privileges to the to uh, uh, in the House of Representatives if he would target certain members of the House that Dennis Bonner didn't like. Uh, and Dustin Burroughs was part of that conversation, and he at the time was the chairman of the Republican Caucus, uh, the second most powerful position in the House, um, and um, he resigned that position, and so did. Uh, uh, speaker Bond and resigned, and and now we have a new speaker, uh, Dade Phelan. Um, but uh, Representative Phelan was a close associate of uh, uh, Dennis Bonin and ascended to the speakership because of Dennis Bonin and and their and their swamp connections. And once he did, uh, uh, Dustin Burroughs came back into the forefront in the state legislature. Now, I don't dislike any of these people. I'm not speaking of them personally. I, I'm just I'm just letting you know the connections. These are all Republicans, so I, I and I don't uh, I don't speak ill of them. But I'm telling you that this is the reason that this bill is so high up on the priority list. Dustin Burroughs is the chairman of the Con- Calendars and Consent Committee. That is the most powerful committee in the legislative process in the house, because if your bill is, if you're trying to get a bill through to the floor so that you can get it voted on, it has to go through that committee. So imagine if you're, if you oppose this bill or if you want to amend this bill in a way that they don't want, guess what? All of your bills will somehow not make it through the committee. I mean, that happens all the time. I I had a, I had a wonderful uh, year of, of working in the legislature on behalf of my former department and I got to see how this works, and it is astonishing the 
things that are done uh, there to um, that that are, are detrimental to the people of Texas just because a couple of people don't like another guy. So so now you kind of see where we're going. We have the governor who obviously supports this, the speaker who supports this. I believe the lieutenant governor does as well, although I don't know that he's publicly come out and said anything. So you've got the big three that support this bill. So it's going to be extremely hard for people for for connected representatives to vote against something like this unless they get some real pushback from their constituency. Now, the Senate has to also approve a bill, uh, approve, approve this bill or a markup of this bill. The Senate is is already got a bill right now uh, uh, that is authored by Brian Birdwell as as well as a, a joint Senate resolution uh, that essentially does not allow the governor to do these things without consent of the legislature. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing, I'm going quickly on that. It's Senate bill uh, 1025. If you want to look it up online and also it is uh, Senate joint resolution or SJR 45. And that's Birdwell's bill that he is going to have introduced into the Senate. Now um, I don't know what's going to happen on the Senate side, but if the Senate does not, they, they can't reconcile those two. They can't reconcile this bill, which expands the governor's power, and, and a bill that, that, that completely says the governor is very limited in his power and he can only do this, this, and this. The other thing that's important about the bill that, that I just read to you is there wasn't a passage in there anywhere about the allowance for a, a citizen of the state of Texas to sue their government for overreaching. And that is what we didn't have in this time. The Supreme Court of Texas said when, when a group of citizens tried to sue uh, Governor Abbott for these uh, mandatory mask orders and such, the Supreme Court of Texas said there is no mechanism by which a, 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 a citizen of this state can sue the government for overreaching its power. Now, that to me is a fundamental right that we should all have. Absolutely. But it isn't apparently, according to the state the Supreme court. And I'm not speaking ill of them. I have a friend that's on the court, but nonetheless, uh, it, it, it is a political game. Yep. And so here's a call to action folks. Let's end this with a call to action. Get on your phones, get on your, your uh, computers and start sending emails and phone numbers. When we cl- conclude this podcast and we post it up, you will see a, uh, uh, contact list for, local legislatures. If you're like us and live in Waller County, I'm going to give you the legislators that you need to contact. If you don't live here and you live in, in other areas in Texas, I'm going to give you a way to contact Dustin Burroughs, uh, Dade Phelan, the Speaker of the House, and also a place to, that you can locate by putting in your address, you can locate who your state representatives and, and senators are. If you want to keep your personal liberties in the next pandemic, or if you want to avoid a pandemic at all, because if you make it easy for them to, to get something from a pandemic, guess what? We'll have plenty of them. You get a pandemic. Yes, right. If you want to, if you want to, your voice to be heard in this process, you need to do this because they're having hearings on it right today in mm-hmm. in in Austin. And I guarantee you that none of these people are going to be listening to the few people that show up to testify against this bill today. If there is even anybody up there, because it just I mean, they didn't put anything out for for public content comments. You had to be on top of it. So, folks, get out there 
and make your voices heard. If you don't want this type of authoritarian government in the state of Texas, you need to let your representatives know that you're not putting up with this bullshit. Absolutely. Okay? And that's why we have the acts. We have the acts so you know what's going on and you can use your acts to cut through this bullshit. That's right. So this is the time. This is the fight that we always talk about and we've talked about in other episodes. This is the time to reach out to these people and make the noise and make those small little steps toward protecting our rights, protecting Texas. And and we're going to put up all the links for you when I post this. So please, let's get active and get in the fight. When there's too much bullshit, you can't bring a knife. You got to bring an axe. You got to bring an axe. So we will see you guys next time. I will swing my axe. Don't let the flames go down. Carve out some of that kindling. There's plenty.